Thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You can be seated tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name, we've had an incredible service so far, and we're believing that God will just continue that here in the next few minutes in Jesus' name. It is exciting to see what he is doing inside of this church. I, uh, when the, the, the power surge hit there in Jesus' name, the, our, our system shut off, and so we lost all of our, our earpieces. So um, I couldn't hear what I was playing. Nobody could hear, I couldn't hear any other musicians, any of that sort of stuff. So I had to take the earpiece out, and I'm kind of thankful that I did because I was able to hear you all singing, and it just sounded like a beautiful choir out here. It was just amazing. And uh, it has to sound wonderful to God. Even if your voice isn't in tune and pitch, mine's not. If you hear me singing on the drums with those headphones in, I'm probably singing loud and making uh, fun of myself and all that sort of stuff when I'm, I'm over there singing. But it's because I can't hear myself. But God still thinks that that's beautiful in Jesus' name. And he does for you all as well. So when you sing that out and you give that praise to God and you give that glory to him, he will absolutely honor that and he will listen to that. In Jesus' name, it is incredible, and so we're just believing and trusting for him to do great things tonight. I, I don't know exactly where I'm going to go. I'm, I just have a few scriptures wrote down here, and we're just going to kind of let God lead through some of these in Jesus' name and, and go from there. But I do want to bring out one thing that uh, God just kind of laid on my heart as Brother Dave and I were, were speaking um, earlier today. Brother Dave, if you didn't know, just over the past couple days had... Uh, went to Cloud Peak, which is an incredibly, um, it's an incredible place in the Bighorn Mountains, the highest peak that's there. Um, Pastor Carnahan and I climbed it last year, and, and, and we, we did it in one day, which was a foolish idea. But it's, it's something that when you start on, uh, at the start of this thing, it's so high, you're climbing so much elevation that it would basically be like going from here down to sea level. That, that's how much elevation change you're doing by walking. Um, so you start on this trailhead and you're walking and you're walking for miles and miles and you finally get to the base of this mountain. And when you get to the base of this mountain, there's just these big rocks and boulders that you have to begin to climb and you're, you're hopping over them and, and you're trying not to twist your ankle and that sort of stuff. It's very um, time consuming. It's very annoying. If you're claustrophobic, it's kind of that, that type of sensation in your body where you, you feel overwhelmed and you feel like you can't escape all these rocks. But it, it's an incredible experience because as you're climbing this mountain, this mountain is so big that as you're going up this mountain, there's actually false summits that you will hit. Uh, the very first time that I climbed it, the, this uh, brother, Nathan Thompson, who has spoken here, and I, when we first did that, we actually went to one of these false summits thinking that it was going to be the top of the mountain. And we were, we were just so you know, enthused and excited that we were going to reach the top of this mountain after all of this hard work and all this labor that we had put in of hours and hours and hours of hiking and walking and filtering water and all that sort of stuff. And we got to the top of this false summit only to realize that there were still many more miles that needed to be done as we got to the top of that false summit. But the only way you could know that is by getting to the top of that, that false summit. And so you just keep going through all these false summits and trying to get there in these ledges and hoping that the next one is going to be the top until you finally reach the top of that mountain there. And in a lot of senses, and, and I know this is going to sound terrible at the beginning, but let me explain it. It's going to relate to our, our walk with God, our lifestyle, the, the way that we live life in Jesus' name. That truly, as Christians, when we come into this thing, right away we get baptized, we receive the Holy Ghost, we're excited on fire for God and the things that he is doing. But as we continue forward, God says, in the end, I want you to get to that mountaintop, you know, by the time you pass away and that sort of thing. It's not necessarily a perfection or that sort of thing, but it's a completeness in who he is. And so 
he, he requires that from us, and so we're walking through these things, and it's getting maybe a little difficult at certain points in time, but we reach these false summits thinking, my goodness, this is going to be it. I'm going to finish this thing out, and I'm going to be good to go. And just as we reach the top of that summit, then God says, well, you still got some more work to do. There's still some things that you got to hike through to get to this next part or this next position here. But I can tell you that at one point, you will reach the top of that if you just keep letting God lead you. At one point, you will absolutely crest out on the top of that hill and be able to see the beautiful surroundings around you and, and see that you're higher than everything else that's around you in Jesus' name. And, and it will be so satisfying when you can dance on those streets of gold with Jesus and when you can jump with joy in his presence it's going to be so satisfying every single bit of effort every single rock that you climbed every single piece of, of effort that you put into anything inside of the kingdom of God it will be so well worth it and the great thing is that God has not abandoned you out there but he is absolutely walking by your side giving you the strength so you can walk over those 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 things and hike to those places in Jesus name and so I, I'm excited to see God continue to do that but um, well I want to start by turning to Hebrews chapter 6, the, the book that we were in this morning, because it, it spoke some things to me, and there were some things that uh, I, I think that if Pastor Carnahan had the time, he would go to, but he didn't have quite the time to, to go through that whole chapter this morning, and it was an incredible message this morning again, just so you know, after last Sunday where I took up a few extra minutes and owed Pastor Carnahan some lunch money, I, I paid that back today in Jesus' name, and so um, I am good for, for a little while until uh, we finish with tonight. He said to go until midnight tonight, so we're, we're good in Jesus' name. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It, it won't be long. But Hebrews chapter 6, and, and there's some things inside of this scripture here that I believe are important. And, and I, I do want to kind of tail off of what Pastor Carnahan spoke about this morning again. It was just confirming what God had laid on my heart early this morning. And, and the, the, the idea of being submerged, if you weren't here this morning just to briefly summarize it says that there's the 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 um the doctrine of baptisms in verse two there it says of the doctrine of baptisms and baptism has an s on the end of it there and what pastor carnahan was relaying to us is that we're meant to be baptized in more than one way not not necessarily in jesus name and then the the the, the trinity and that sort of stuff that's not what we're talking about here but what he said is that there's things that god has given to us that he wants us to be fully submerged in things like his grace in his mercy or those ideas that he begins to present to us and he says you know what you you don't just need a little piece of this but you can have the whole enchilada you can have the whole thing inside of your life and that's what what pastor carnahan was related to us this morning to be fully submerged inside of those things and if you remember last weekend i brought the word fortitude to you of courage and adversity and pain and i just want to remind you of that as we speak about some people inside of the bible here tonight in this lesson and so to start this out, I want to speak to you briefly about our human muscles and how amazing these things truly are that God created us in this way. There's scientists, there's people out there that say that our muscle power that we use at any given time is only a third of our actual strength, that we will only use a third of our actual strength when we're doing daily activities or lifting weights or out there walking through this community doing normal things in Jesus' name. 
But there are certain times that we can come up against something where our adrenaline begins to pump and we begin to face an adversary where all of a sudden we gain our full strength to be able to lift cars. You've heard of human beings being able to do that, to lift cars off of children. You think, my goodness, how are they able to do this? Well, they've shown that it's because people only use about a third of their muscle. But when we have that, that adrenaline pumping through us, we can move things. We can do and, and face challenges that we would have never been able to face prior to that. And so tonight I want to relay that to you that I don't want to limit the abilities that God has given to us by just using one third of those abilities, but I want to walk through my life and walk through this community with the full power of God inside of my life in Jesus' name. I don't want to just have a third of that available to me at certain times, but I want to be able to see the power of God work through me and impact lives around me tonight in Jesus' name. And that's what I would like to speak to you about because our God is a God that does not change in Jesus' name. So let's start in verse um, 9 here. It says this, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. I want to bring that out, that God does not forget what you are doing for his kingdom, and he will not forget the work that you're doing down here on this earth, whether it is seen by your brothers or not, but God will see it, and God will honor that and reward that when we begin to get to those streets in Jesus' name. So don't grow weary in well-doing for the kingdom of God and what he is doing. And verse 11 goes on to say, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence, and diligence there can be replaced with priority to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful or slow, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises in Jesus' name. Speaking to us and telling us that we, we don't have time to waste on some of these things when God begins to speak to us, that when we begin to feel conviction about being baptized in Jesus' name, when we begin to feel conviction about going to the altar in that service, that we are not meant to be slothful inside of those things, but we are meant to act upon them because you may not get another service like that where God can speak to you specifically how he wanted to speak to you inside of that service. So it's challenging us to listen to the voice of God, but but not only that, but to act upon the voice of God. And verse 13 goes on to say, For when God made the promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he sware by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show them the heirs of promise, the immutable immutability of his counsel, confirmed by an oath. Immutability there means unchanged of his counsel, the unchanging portion of God. And you go on to see in those, those scriptures there that it uses the word a couple more times. But I wanted to point that word out to you to show you that our God and his counsel, what, what he relates to us and tells us to do is a God that is unchanged. So that means that what he tells you today isn't going to change tomorrow as far as his doctrine and things like that in Jesus' name. That if he tells you today that Jesus' name baptism is what it is and what's the, the, the real peace about those things, then tomorrow he's not going to come in and say, no, I actually don't believe that. I want you to do it some other way to be saved and that sort of stuff. But God has given us 
his scripture so that we can see how he is unchanged or unmoving or unwavering in the things that he does in Jesus' name. And so we serve this God who is an all-powerful, unchanged God, a God who wants to speak to us and who wants to work inside of every single one of our lives. And we must be willing to let him do this in order to see things happen in Jesus' name. For those of you who don't remember just a few years ago, and I realize I'm telling a few stories here at the beginning, but I'm just kind of trying to bring this to, to a point here or something like that. But a few years ago, I, I was placed in the hospital for my lungs as they had collapsed. And on the first day, it, it was a Friday that I went into the hospital and, and I was having this chest pain and I was thinking it was kind of a funny thing. And so I went into the hospital and actually while I was in the hospital, at the time I was a traffic director. And so I had my radio on me and I heard this traffic crash come out over the radio. And, and I heard that there was nobody else to go to this traffic crash. So I, th I thought so little about this chest pain that when I heard that traffic crash come out, I left the hospital and I went to the accident. And then I came back to the hospital to get checked out in a little bit in Jesus' name. But when I went into the hospital, I was sitting inside of the room. And, and many of you know the story. The doctor came rushing in and he said, this is a serious matter. We need to put you in the trauma room. And we're going to put a chest tube inside of your chest because we need to alleviate this air now. We can't wait. It has to be done immediately in, in Jesus' name. And so he did that procedure, and I remember that Sunday our church was going to family camp and that sort of thing, and so I came down to the altar, the church prayed for me, and I was very excited about God going to heal me so that that next day the chest tube could be removed, and I get to go to family camp with my church family. But that didn't happen. As I went to the doctor the next day, my church is gone, my family's gone. The, the, the doctor tells me, man, I got to admit you to the hospital. We need to have surgery immediately on this thing. And so we, we go into surgery after that. But it was something that was very detrimental to me because I sat in a hospital room for four days listening to people around me and their pains and their despairs. I sat in this hospital room seeing nurses' faces as they would come from patients into my room. And, and, and you would just see that certain things would just be Training what they were doing inside of that place. And I began to, to think and to cry out to God and thank him so much for the life that I truly had, that I was able to praise him and exalt him and serve him, and that I wasn't in the pain as some of these other people were, because it was very detrimental to me just to hear what was going on in some of those places there in Jesus' name. And so there was a few months after that that I, I was unable to shout, I was unable to pray, I was unable to sing unto God. And I, I know that many of you know this story and that sort of thing. But, but it was something that taught me how essential it was to really begin to seek out God and His unchanging desires and His power inside of my life. That even in that, that hurt condition, I could still come to church and I could still serve Him, even if my voice wasn't the loudest voice that was inside of the church service. That I could still come and I could sit on the pew and let God work inside of my life and impact me in Jesus' name. I could still let him change and challenge and convict and transform in me in Jesus' name. But I also began to see the, the essential, how essential it is to have God inside of our lives. When I went to Haiti, again, it was amazing to see that these people who did not have the tools or the vehicles to come to church had a greater desire to be in church or in the presence of God 
than people who do have those vehicles or those cars. That the people that had to walk for miles on end with no water, and when they got to that place, they would realize that there was going to be no water fountain, had a greater desire to walk through all that heat to get there and be in the prayer room and to see God's face and that sort of thing, more so than people who had the tools and the water and the ability to be in some of those places in Jesus' name. It's amazing that sometimes when we are given tools, those tools can be used for the wrong things, to begin to go elsewhere rather than seeking the face of God or rather than being in his presence or rather than wanting to seek him out in Jesus' name. It began to relate back to the lung story and what God was trying to do or trying to speak to me about in Jesus' name. And he put this conviction deep down in my heart that it is so worth being in the presence of God more so than being out there in the world and doing things that my flesh says is fun or exciting or glorious or beginning to, to take me to new heights in Jesus' name. That being here was so much greater and so much more fulfilling than than being inside of a TV show or whatever it may be in Jesus' name, than having fame and millions of dollars, that God's glory was so much greater than any of that and what he wanted to do inside of my life. And so quickly I began to realize that inside of these situations that God was taking me through, that he was so much more than just a normal God that this world begins to speak to us about, but he was the God, the Alpha and the Omega, the one that is an exceeder, inside of our lives. Let me read this scripture to you in Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 14 through 21. It says, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or that we think according to the power that works in us. Unto him be the glory of the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That scripture tells me something about our God that he is, they're, they're trying to describe what he can do in, in a few simple American words as they translate this into, into the King James Version. But they're trying to describe how great and how big and how awesome our God truly is. And they're using a couple different words here and they say exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Meaning that when I begin to proclaim a prayer request inside of a church service like this, no matter how little uh, of a broken leg or, or whatever else or a back pain and that sort of stuff, that God knows so much more so about what that situation needs than I could ever comprehend. And what that means is that my God can come into that situation and impact it so much more than just a physical healing, but he can begin to take that and transform it into something spiritual in our lives or a conviction or something that will begin to teach us so much more then God healed my body at that particular point in time. I don't know and I don't understand why God did not heal me that Sunday when I came down to this altar and everybody prayed for me because there is faith in this church and I have seen people healed in Jesus' name. But what I do know is that God was doing something so much more so that if I would have been healed instantly at that point in time, then I don't know that I would have met the nurse that I was able to witness inside of the hospital in Jesus' name. I don't know that I would have been able to, to have that experience of never being able to shout or praise God and coming to church and saying, man, I am desperate to sing unto God and I am desperate to praise his name and glorify his name and give him what, what, what I want to in Jesus' name. It's the things that God begins to do in our life to show us that he doesn't just want us part of the way in, but he wants us fully submerged under that water in Jesus' name. He wants us fully into this commitment of serving him and who he is, because if we are that way, then my goodness, the world is going to explode in Jesus' name. 
It's not always going to be the funnest one or the greatest one in Jesus' name, but you still will reach that summit one day and you will say, man, all that climbing was well worth it. All that climbing was well worth it to get to this place in Jesus' name. It is something that's powerful. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 13, and I want to bring out a few guys here that just begin to amaze me. And I can't say that I would do anything differently at this point in time, but I do believe that, that with God, you can sometimes begin to overcome this stuff and have a complete different opinion than what these guys did. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 17, it says this, and I'm going to jump pretty quickly through here. It says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said, Go you up this way southward, and go into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether they be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was that time of the first fruit of grapes. Moses is sending out some spies into this land that God has told them that they will inherit. He's sending spies out to this land that, that God has told Moses the, these cities that they will take over. And so Moses is sending these spies out there, and he tells them to go and to search out this land and see what things are looking like out there. How many enemy do they have? How many uh, fruit do they have? What are they going to conquer? What are they going to gain when they begin to march into this land? He doesn't tell them or doesn't ask them about their opinion of whether or not they think they can overcome these armies or these militaries around them. But he says, I just want you to do a, a little bit of a scout out. I just want you to kind of see what, what type of enemy we're up against here in Jesus. Name. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it can be very detrimental as I have learned to rush into some things or, or to immediately dive into some things in Jesus' name. Sometimes in the kingdom of God, you have to begin to scout it out and begin to, to overlook the horizon before you just go diving in and begin attacking stuff and, and spiritual warfare and that sort of stuff. It can be dangerous. But, but Moses is telling these guys to go out there and to, to see what they saw and to come back and to report this. And so when we went, if we jump down to verse 26, it says, And they went, and they came back unto Moses, and to Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and unto the wilderness of Pharaoh and Kadesh, um, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation. They showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. They showed him the big grapevine that they had to carry with two men, if you read the scriptures prior to that. It says, Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw children of Anak there, the Amalekites, dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan." And Caleb stilled the people before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb is beginning to challenge the people, and he says, You know what? Those things look amazing. Those things look incredible. Let's go possess it. Let's go take hold of what God has promised us in Jesus' name. But then if you jump down to verse 31, you see, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children 
of Israel. And if you read that scripture, they begin to go into the negative things of we can't defeat them. We can't overcome that. We can't challenge that in Jesus' name. We can't get through that position there. Caleb and Joshua are so excited. They want to go. They're two of the spies out of the 12 that wanted to go over there and just dominate and conquer in Jesus' name. But then you got the rest of these guys, these 10 other ones that are saying, you know what? I know that God said that, but I don't believe that it can happen. I don't believe that we can go over there and conquer these cities and claim these things that are in this, this land. And, and, and it's just detrimental. And so they convince this whole city, these whole people of Israel, that they can't go over there and that they can't begin to claim and conquer this land. And as a result, there's consequences that God leads them off and, and, and begins to, 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 to lead them around in circles again just because of them not wanting to proclaim these things in Jesus' name. I, I bring that story to you here today because we as apostolic people, or we as people that believe in this unchanging and unwavering God, must begin to let these situations in our lives be things that encourage us in his kingdom. But not only that, but we must begin to let his word encourage us. And if his promises are stating it, and if his promises are saying it, we must begin to believe in it and pray for it and seek it in, in Jesus' name. And if we are willing to do that, then God is absolutely willing to honor it and to take hold of those things and to move mountains for us in Jesus' name. He's willing to let us conquer those cities. He's willing to let us step on those grounds where he said that is yours. It's not Satan's, but it is yours. It's a place that you deserve. It's a place that you need to go. And if you begin to pray that way, then you can begin to conquer that. But if you don't begin to pray that way, then you will begin to think like these 10 other people that say, you know what? I don't think that that is ever possible or those things can't happen. Let me give you an example or a place inside of this. When when Jesus says that we can be baptized in his name and every single one of our sins will absolutely be washed away. We, we can absolutely believe that and, and go to that baptismal tank and say, you know what? Dunk me in that thing. I want to get rid of all these sins in my life so that I can begin to worship him in Jesus' name. I believe in his blood that he died on that cross and that it's powerful and that those things can happen. Or we can sit back and cross our arms and say, well, you know what? That sounds like a good myth out there. You know, there's, there's stronger things. I did this in my past and this in my past. It's a giant that's there. I don't believe I can ever conquer it. I don't believe I can ever claim it. But we can't have that mindset or that idea inside of our lives in Jesus' name. Our God is unchanging and he is unwavering. And so we must begin to take these scriptures as truth and place them in our hearts that if God said it, it absolutely can be done. If he said we could lay hands on the sick, if he said that we can go down in baptism, that the Holy Ghost would begin to do powerful things. If we can walk in the settings in our community, then ultimately those spiritual atmospheres begin to see us as his people in Jesus' name. If we begin to walk in there and believe that, then we will walk in there with his authority and his power will absolutely begin to flow through us in Jesus' name. As the scripture said, that, that, that when you receive the Holy Ghost out of your belly will flow that river of living water and that will ultimately impact those places around you you in Jesus name. I realize I'm kind of doing some teaching and preaching and that stuff, but I do want to just bring out a point from Youth Congress. And for those of you that were there, you will understand this absolutely. That this here is the reason that we have many issues with God. This here is the reason that we have many issues with what God 
is telling us. Because we as human beings so love to measure our universe, how, how big our universe is, how wide our earth is, how many miles it is from our church to our house. I can get on my phone right now and type in an address and I can see how long it's going to take me within minutes and it will almost be exactly that I will arrive at that location. And we'll even figure in construction and, and all these other things and, and that, that can begin to delay me or take me away. But, but this here is the reason that we face challenges with some doctrine sometimes. It's the reason that we face challenges with what the scripture is saying about certain things. And so if we begin as human beings to take this ruler that we apply to so many different places in our life, and I'm not saying that that's wrong in, in, in some areas with your, your GPS or whatever that may be in Jesus' name, but when we begin to take that ruler and we begin to line it up to God and we say, well, God, you know what? And the, 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 the example that Brother Tuttle gave there was, you know what? God can heal maybe somebody's hurt fingernail or, or God can maybe heal somebody's hurt hand. But my goodness, when somebody has cancer, my ruler says it might be a little bit too big for God. So you know what? There's a doctor up the road and he's good for you. And that's a good place to go to in Jesus' name. I'm not speaking against doctors here tonight in Jesus' name. But what I am saying is that sometimes we begin to measure our faith up against God. And we begin to measure God and we say, God, only this much applies to me. Because, you know, my ruler's only 30, or my yardstick's only 36 inches long. And so, you know what, God, that doctrine fits just a little bit outside of there. I realized I was convicted this morning and pastor spoke that and it, it spoke right to my heart. But, but God, it's just a little bit over my yardstick, so I don't think... I'm going to measure that up to myself because I, it just doesn't count, God. It just doesn't need to be there. But ultimately, we need to get rid of these things inside of our lives. Anything that we use as a measuring stick up against God or up against his word or up against what he is doing in our size, we just need to begin to snap these things and say, you know what, God? It's all yours. Whatever you want to do, you can do it, God. If you spoke that inside of my life, then you can begin to do it, God. I don't understand what you are doing through that cancer, but God, I know that you have it in your hands. And God, I know that I don't understand what is there, but Jesus, I'm putting it in your, your hands to take care of in Jesus' name. God, I don't know that I fully understand what my pastor preached this morning, but God, I'm going to apply it to my life because even though it doesn't measure up to the yardstick that I have, I know that you have given that spiritual authority in my life, and I'm going to listen to him and what he is speaking to me because I trust in that in Jesus' name. The yardsticks in our lives need to begin to be snapped, and the inches need to begin to be thrown away because God cannot be measured, and you cannot measure him no matter how hard you try or no matter how how great it is in Jesus' name. You cannot do those things. You cannot measure him. Why does it make sense that somebody can go down inside of water and have every one of their sins washed away? Well, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me either other than Jesus went to a cross and his blood was shed on that cross. And because his blood was shed, that begins to be applied to my life and my sins, no matter how big or how bad, can be washed away. It's not my job to measure up my sins and say, God, I, I, this one is too big or this one's too small for you in Jesus' name. But he wants to take hold of it tonight in Jesus' name. He's an unchanging God. He's an unwavering God, a God that wants to give you faith and authority in your life. But in order to get that faith and that authority, you got to break these things inside of your household. If you literally got to grab one and snap it and say, this is it, Satan, you're no longer living in me inside of my life, then you do that. You begin to do that in Jesus' name. We cannot measure what God is doing. 
Titus 2 and 11, we were just in that chapter there, but if you read into verse 15, I believe it's in, it speaks about a peculiar people. And a peculiar people sometimes is a people that's a little weird or a little different in the world's eyes. Uh, The definition here, let's see if I can get here in time, but the peculiar people, I'm not going to read those scriptures. You can read that when you go home, but, but in Titus I have the definition wrote down here, and you're welcome to write it down as well. When Pastor was speaking on this this morning, I just had to write this in here because of what God was doing with that. And I'm going to have trouble finding this here. But it's a peculiar, here we go. Beyond usual is what that word means. Beyond usual is what it means in the strong concordance. That God has called us in that scripture, verse 14, it says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity or the bad things that are out there and, and purify us unto him himself, a peculiar people. We read that scripture this morning, a peculiar people beyond usual. Do you think it makes sense to the world when, when we tell them, man, you just have to go down in water and your sins are instantly washed away? Not, not usually because so many times they're beginning to take these yardsticks out and measure up against it. Of, man, does that make sense inside of my life? Do you think it makes sense to people when we say, you know what, I'm not going to go to the bar on Friday night to drink away my problems because I have joy unspeakable because of what God has given to me. I I may have had a death in my family and that sort of thing, but you know what, man, my my God can still provide joy and peace in that situation. There may be uh, sorrow for a season, but God's going to take me through that. Do you think that makes sense to a world that's out there in Jesus' name? It doesn't because they're, they're trying to measure these things up against these inches or what the world has taught them and it's not their fault it's not their, their particularly their fault in Jesus name unless they choose that but God is ultimately calling us to be that those people who are beyond usual beyond usual beyond what the world says is normal or beyond what begins to make sense beyond what what is, is satisfying to our flesh and the things around us but if we begin to let God take us beyond just the usual into the unusual in Jesus name then we can see so many things transform and the world touch and these things reached in Jesus name it's like Daniel when he was thrown into that pit with the lion in Jesus' name. It, the, the scripture doesn't say that he went in there crying and weeping and saying, God, why are you doing this to me? It's so detrimental. I, I just don't know this lion's going to eat me and it's going to hurt and this is going to be bad and, and that, you know, like that sort of thing. That's not what the scripture says he does. But even the king, Daniel, has so much faith when he's walking through there that even when these people come up and, and they, they form this false story about what he is doing, they form this, this law just to get him thrown into that den in Jesus' name, Daniel doesn't begin to get upset and begin to speak badly about them and weep about that and measure them up to what he thinks they should be as human beings in, in, in that particular time. But he says, you know what? My God's got my back. If my God's got my back, I don't got to worry about this measuring stick. I'm going in there. It doesn't make sense. If I die, I die. And if I come out, then my goodness, it's the glory of God. I'm going to give him the praise for it. And he had so much faith going in there that even that king, he was stressed out for that entire night, the king that threw him in there. But that king even said, you know what? I believe that your God would deliver you from that place. I knew it would happen. And that's why even though these people framed you, I still threw you in there because of how powerful your God was. What if your co-workers began to say that about you? 
Now, my goodness, this person, every time somebody's sick, they say they want to pray for them. And you know what? People are starting to be healed in Jesus' name. These people that are, are completely addicted to certain things, they go to that church and they come out of there and they're not hooked on that stuff anymore. It doesn't make sense. It begins to defy logic or what's inside of my head or what's going on in there in Jesus' name. That's what I want people to begin to say about me, but not only me, but Jesus. I want them to turn that around and say, my goodness, the God that he serves is a God that's living and he is very well and very alive. He's ready to move and he's ready to work in Jesus' name. That's what I want our world to hear about our God, an unchanging God, an unwavering God that has called us to be submerged in what he wants us to be called in, in Jesus' name. And so I, I realize we have a baptism, so I'm going to close with this scripture here tonight and just let these things be. But in Matthew 13, 44 through 46, the scripture brings out this, this, this parable here. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure that is hid in a field, that which when a man hath found it, he hideth, and for the joy thereof, he goes and sells everything that he has, and he buys that field. Does it make sense to sell everything you have to buy that field? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found the one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. It may not make sense to your friends what's going on. I'm not saying you're going to sell your house and move into the church in Jesus' name. But it may not make sense to your friends. And my goodness, you're not going to those same places anymore. You're not drinking the same substances anymore. You're not saying the same things that you used to say inside of your life. That, that when you find Jesus and the pearl that's truly in here and the deliverance that can happen, you, you begin to let those things go in your life because you begin to get thirsty for the river of living water that God has. You say, I need that. I desire it. I, I want to have that as a part of my life in Jesus' name. I, I need that. And so you begin to let things go that when you just get a little paper cut on your thumb, it's not going to hold you back from that water flowing into your life or coming to church and being there. That sometimes food isn't even worth it to, to get in the prayer room first before service and that sort of thing you begin to crave what God has for you and what he wants inside of your life it's an unchanging God and a God that ultimately does not want to be measured but wants to be let loose in Jesus name can we stand tonight and as we close this we'll transition here shortly to the baptism in the back but I think it would just be fitting if we we lift our hands here tonight and if it, I'll, I'll let our pastor kind of lead us here in the ending of this in Jesus' name. But as we lift our hands, let's just begin to let God impact us with whatever he has spoken to us about here tonight. That we don't want to limit him. And if there is something here tonight in your life that maybe you've limited him for a while, it's time to let that be loosed in Jesus' name. Singers, if you want to come, you can too in Jesus' name. But let's just begin to lift our hands. If you want to come down to this altar for a few minutes, we're just going to let God impact us in whatever way he needs to be. Let's begin to throw away those rulers and snap those things that maybe in our lives have limited God and who we are in Jesus' name. There's absolutely a place down here where God can impact you. He can provide you with joy and peace. He can begin to take away sins that are in your life in Jesus' name. He can begin to speak into your heart joy and peace inside of a rough situation. He can begin to become a powerful God in Jesus' name. Let's